Hi everybody, this is Gatsad. Today is a big day for me. It is the official launch of the paperback edition of The Parasitic Mind right here. Very excited. This is the hardcover, which came out exactly one year ago. So it's the anniversary, the one year anniversary of the launch of The Parasitic Mind. And uh, today is the release of the paperback edition. So make sure to get out there and get your copy. I wanted to read for you a little a section from the book. I won't read the whole section because then I'm going to read a letter that uh, someone uh, recently posted. So this is so. First, I want to talk about the ideological conformity of diversity, inclusion, and equity, also known as the die religion. Die for diversity, inclusion, equity. I'm just going to skip to one little part, but you should read the whole section. This is, uh, it starts on page 60 of the Parasitic Mind, but I'm going to read here from page 61. But the Dai Zealots insist that all those under their dominion must be full converts to the progressive faith. A growing number of universities now require, as part of the faculty hiring and promotion process, that one demonstrates adherence to Dai principles. Take, for example, UCLA's Office of Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion. And the fact that I mentioned UCLA is going to become relevant in a second. It released a report explaining that faculty members should submit a statement as part of the standard evaluation of academic personnel, wherein they highlight their, quote, past, present, and future planned contributions to equity, diversity, and inclusion, close quote. In the same way that the Ba'ath Party swore their allegiance to former dictator Saddam Hussein and North Koreans publicly sang with great fervor their undying love for their now deceased, albeit glorious dear leader, King John Il, academic personnel must now prostrate themselves at the altar of die. Failure to do so might bring the death of one's academic career. How prescient this book is. Make sure to get your copy because I'm now going to read to you an entire letter, letter from a, a professor at UCLA named uh, Gordon Klein. Uh, it, the letter is posted uh, on uh, Barry Weiss's uh, substack, Common Sense with Barry Weiss. The title is, Why I'm Suing UCLA. I Refuse to Discriminate Against My Students. Then the Problems Began. It is really astonishing. Here we go. Recently, I was suspended from my job for refusing to treat my black students as lesser than their black peers. Let me back up. I teach at UCLA's Anderson School of Management, and I've been doing this for 40 years. I've taught 15 different courses in finance, accounting, and law. CNBC has had me on. I've been quoted in the Wall Street Journal. My saga, which nearly led to my firing, began on the morning of June 2nd, 2020, when a non-black student in my class on tax, principles, and law emailed me to ask that I grade his black classmates with greater leniency than others in the class. Quote, we are writing to express our tremendous concern about the impact that this final exam and project will have on the mental and physical health of our black classmates. Of course, black is capitalized. The student wrote, there was no project in this class, and it was unclear to me who the we in this case was. I suspected the student simply used a form letter he found online and neglected to change the subject. Continuing now with the letter from the student. Quote, the unjust murders of Ahmad 
uh, Arbery, Brianna Taylor, and George Floyd, the life-threatening actions of Amy Cooper, and the violent conduct of the University of California Police Department have led to fear and anxiety, which is further compounded by the disproportionate effect of COVID-19 on the black community. As we approach finals week, we recognize that these conditions place black students at an unfair academic disadvantage due to traumatic circumstances out of their control, close quote. The student then requested that the final be a no harm exam, meaning it should be counted only if it boosted one's grade. Quote, this is not a joint effort to get finals canceled for non-black students, but rather an ask that you exercise compassion and leniency with black students in our major, close quote. As I noted in my legal complaint, the student clarified in a subsequent conversation with the university investigator that he, quote, intended that the requested adjustments apply to black students and not the class generally, close quote. To try to make his case, the student drew on UCLA's equity, diversity, and inclusion agenda, which I referred to here in this book, which directs professors to grant preferential equity to students belonging to underrepresented groups. I wholeheartedly support these principles, as most of us understand them. I think all human beings should be treated the same. I welcome, I celebrate a diversity of opinions and arguments. And to say the least, I believe in making room for anyone with the grades and gumption to study at one of the nation's most competitive universities. But academia has so corrupted these words that they are now hollowed out corpses devoid of their meaning, their original meaning. Today, diversity means ideological homogeneity and inclusion means the exclusion of some from a taxpayer-supported university to favor others deemed more deserving of an educational springboard to prosperity. I have a law degree and I'm pretty sure the university's EDI agenda violates Proposition 209, the California Constitution's prohibitions, prohibition against race-based preferences in public education. Voters enacted this decades ago and reaffirmed it last year at the ballot box, so I opted to follow the state constitution and my conscience. Shocked by the student's email, which struck me as deeply patronizing and offensive to the same black students he claimed to care so much about, I collected my thoughts and 20 minutes later emailed back, quote, Are there any students that may be of mixed parentage, such as half black, half Asian? What do you suggest I do with respect to them? A full con concession or just half? Ooh, somebody's learning from Dr. Sad's satire. Also, do you have any idea if any students are from Minneapolis? I assume that they are probably especially devastated as well. I am thinking that a white student from there might possibly be even more devastated by this, especially because some might think that they're racist even if they are not, close quote. I wrapped up my reply by citing Martin Luther King's vision of a colorblind world where people are judged solely by the content of their character, making it clear that I had no intention of treating any students differently on the basis of their skin color. I thought this would do it and we'd move on with the class final and just as important summer break. I was naive. By that evening, students were calling for my job. Soon after, they circulated a petition demanded I be fired. Within a day or two, nearly 20,000 had signed. Without knowing anything about me or taking into account, as far as I could tell, the implications of non-colorblind grading. This is not satire, people. It is now racist 
to not give one group of people that have one particular skin color a better grade because of that skin color. I was attacked for being a white man and woefully racist. On June 5, three days after I first emailed, I was suspended amid a growing online campaign directed at me. It was around that time that I started to receive death threats on voicemail and email. One email dated June 11 read, quote, You are a typical bigoted, prejudiced, and racist, dirty, filthy, crooked, arrogant, Jew-kike motherfucker. Too bad Hitler and the Nazis are not around to give you a much-needed Zyklon B shower. Close quote. Nice. About a week after this whole thing first blew up, there were police officers stationed outside my house. It would take UCLA's threat manager, Chris Silva, another 10 days to check in with me to make sure I was okay. Anderson administrators were rattled, and for good reason, but not because of the fact that my life was now being threatened. The problem was Anderson's reputation. It hadn't granted an African-American professor tenure in decades. It had but a handful of tenured Latino professors. Black students made up about 2% of the student body, and men outnumbered women roughly 2 to 1, leading many students to call Anderson the Manderson School of Management. Management, M-A-N. So even though a university administrator made it clear the university could not take any action against me on the grounds that there was no known cause for taking such action, Anderson's dean, Antonio Bernardo, took matters into his own hands. He apparently reasoned that a well-timed publicity stunt might distract attention away from the school's reputation as an inhospitable place for persons of color, to say nothing of its plummeting rankings in the in U.S. News and World Report and Bloomberg Businessweek. Without any deliberation I was aware of, Bernardo suspended and banned me from campus. Then, like a well-choreographed dance, the Anderson administration started attacking my character on social media. As I documented in my legal claim on June 3rd, one day after I received the first email, the Anderson School's Twitter account sent out a message, quote, Respect and equality for all are core principles at UCLA Anderson. It is deeply disturbing to learn of this email which we are investigating. We apologize to the students who received it and to all those who have been upset and offended by it as we are ourselves, close quote. This implied... I didn't believe in equality for all when that was exactly what I believed and continue to believe. J- uh, Judson Kaske, who oversees the accounting program at Anderson, was tasked with monitoring my outgoing emails. I had been deemed radioactive. Again, step, step back and think about what this is due to. This is because a professor says that I will not judge people in terms of their grading differently based on their skin color. You heard that correctly. I was confused and hurt from the start. My whole point had been that all students, irrespective of skin color, should be treated the same. And now this? Fortunately, some rational voices came to my defense. UCLA's Academic Senate's Committee on Academic Freedom condemned Anderson's administration for violating my rights and chilling other professors into not voicing unorthodox opinions. The university's Discrimination Prevention Office declared that there was 
no there there that the case did not warrant an investigation. On top of all this, 76,000 concerned individuals from around the world, from across the country and beyond, signed a petition demanding my reinstatement. Less than three weeks ago after this whole thing blew up, I was reinstated. But this story is not over. You see, most of my income comes not from teaching at UCLA, but from consulting to law firms and other corporations. Several of those firms dropped me after they got wind that I'd been suspended. The better to put distance between themselves and a, quote, racist. That cost me the lion's share of my annual income. The students involved in this escapade may have moved on to other causes. I have not. I'm not sure I ever will. As a result, I have just filed a lawsuit against the University of California system. No employee should ever cower in fear of his employer's power to silence legitimate points of view, and no society should tolerate government-sponsored autocrats violating constitutional mandates. As the Supreme Court in a 1967 case in which a university professor refused to sign an oath stating he was not a communist, professors should never be coerced into unthinking timidity. Academic freedom, Justice William Brennan wrote, is of transcendent value to all of us. My parting thought, this is not just about the principle, it's also about the United States' ability to compete. Anderson, like elite business schools across the country, is supposed to be training the next generation of innovators, the people who will muster the imagination and fortitude to create life-changing technologies and lead groundbreaking multinationals. If we don't maintain our standards, if we're not allowed to push all of our students to do their very best, we will be disarming unilaterally. I refuse to do that, and I'm convinced this recent episode, notwithstanding that most of my students and colleagues feel the same way. And I'm just going to write, I'm just going to read his bio. Gordon Klein teaches financial analysis, law, and public policy at the University of California at Los Angeles. And there's a place where you can actually go and click to read his complaint against UCLA. I will put a link to this uh, article. Uh, feel free to write to UCLA and tell them what you think of them. But more importantly, uh, I hope that you are now becoming increasingly compelled to voice your opinion. This is happening every day, all the time, nonstop. I inhabit that world. I've been warning people for nearly three decades about what's happening. I wrote this book, which I'm very happy to see is, is doing incredibly well around the world because I couldn't sit silently and watch every single tenet of you know what makes our societies beautiful, what makes them an anomaly in a buffet of dreadful societies, all of these foundational values are being eradicated under the you know, cloak of progressivism, when in reality it's bigotry, it's racist, it's illiberal, it's fascist, it's authoritarian, but you cloak it in the language of progressivism and it suddenly becomes A-OK. -okay. It's not... If you sit quietly, it will continue. It will eventually come for you. Why aren't there more UCLA professors speaking out? Today is the day where I should be celebrating the release of the paperback edition of my book, but I can't sit quietly. I read this letter by uh, Gordon Klein. I'm pissed off. I turn on my laptop and I do this sad truth clip. Why? Because I abhor this insanity. It is an affront to 
to human dignity, personal agency, personal dignity, individual rights are the foundations of a meritocratic society built on freedom of speech, on the scientific method, on reason, on you get out of life what you put into it, as I believe Larry Elder's dad famously would remind him. So get out there, fight for the right causes, don't sit idly, and uh, hopefully we can turn this ship around. Take care, everybody.